Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today, and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Well, I am excited to be here today, excited to be able to preach the Word of God to you today, and uh, I just want to say thank you so much for everybody that prayed for me over the last month, and uh, I really had a pretty rough time, but Jesus is faithful, and I'm here. Praise God. Praise God, I'm here, I'm doing good, and and uh, just in case anybody was wondering, I'm doing all right, and, uh, and uh, you know, your, your prayers are appreciated more than you know, praise God, and so, uh, you know, and that's, that's not just me, that's any of your brothers and sisters in Christ as you, as the Lord lays them on your heart, brings them to your uh, remembrance, uh, you know, just take a moment, stop, pray for them, you know, just a few seconds is all that takes. Thank you, Joe. You're awesome. Praise God. Praise God. And uh, so anyway, with, with that said, I am going to be bringing a message to you today that uh, we've got a, a theme that we have been following throughout this year. And, and the theme is this, that uh, we are reintroducing you to God. And, uh, you know, sometimes we just need to go back and we need to examine the things that we've always believed and examine what we've, what we've always thought and see, you know, Anybody ever have a, a long-held belief that one day you woke up and you thought, I wonder why I believe that. I wonder why I think that. I wonder, you know, there, there's something, you know, some place that that came from. But, uh, uh, you know, if we'll be honest with ourselves, sometimes we look back and we find out that it's not rooted in the Word of God. I mean, I, I know people that swear up and down the Bible says certain things that the Bible doesn't say. You know, I, I had a man, uh, we, we, I, I was doing a, a, a book club and a book study, and we were going through a book, and there was a man that, that came, someone invited him, and he came in, and uh, uh, the man sat right there and, and read a scripture and then he said, see, right there it says that, you know, he was talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And, uh, you know, he said, 
See, right there, it says that God gave Paul an eye disease. I said, read that again. He read it again. He says, see, right there. I said, read that again, because that's not what that said. And he read it again, and he was never convinced that that's not what that scripture said. Didn't, didn't say that at all. It said nothing about eyes. It said nothing about disease. And it said nothing about God giving something to Paul. And yet, he was sure that it said God gave Paul an eye disease. But that's not what the passage said. And sometimes we have these beliefs that are so ingrained into us that we're sure they came right out of the Bible. But they didn't. And so, you know, sometimes it's healthy for us to go back and examine again the things that we've believed and see is this really what the Bible says. That's why we're doing this the, our theme throughout this year is reintroducing God. We're going back and examining the things we have, re-examining the things that we have believed about God, the things that we thought we knew about God, and seeing, is that really? Because there, there are times when, you know, I, I've read things myself out of the Bible. I'd be reading a passage of Scripture, and I thought, I was sure that verse said this, but I can't find it there. It's not there. Where did I get the idea that this verse said such and such? See, this is why the Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, continue in the things you have learned. He didn't say, you know, okay, you've learned that, so you can go on beyond that now. He said, no, you continue in the things you have learned. Because, see, we've got, I, I, I believe that it was uh, um, Charles Capps that one time said, you know, we have supernatural help to forget. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, the, 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 the truth of the matter is that the devil will help you forget things. Things that are important. He'll help you forget. And so we've got to stir up on the inside of us and, and go back and continue in the things we have learned. And so today and this month, our focus is on the cross. And, you know, uh, reintroducing the cross. Praise God. And how, how many of you, you know, and, and uh, I'm, I'm not being critical of this, yay, yay or nay, but uh, how many of you wear a cross around your, on a chain around your neck? Okay. Uh, there's a, a, a few hands that indicated that, that they do. And, you know, and that's, uh, and, and please don't take this in the wrong way, but, uh, you know, uh, there is more to the cross than an ornament that we hang around our neck. There's more to the there's more to the cross, and you know the people here that raised their hand and said they 
they wear a cross. I'm sure they don't think it's just an ornament, okay? But, but sometimes, you know, we can kind of forget what the cross is all about. We can forget why Jesus went to the cross. We can forget what the cross means to us. And, you know, and I, I like this, this verse right here in 1 Timothy, or excuse me, not 1 Timothy, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. Verse number 23, the Apostle Paul said this to the Corinthians. He says, but we preach Christ crucified. Crucified means there's a cross involved. So we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ on the cross. Why do we preach Christ on the cross? Because it's important that we remember that Jesus went to the cross for you. And, and uh Mentioning remembering any time during my message today, if something strikes a chord with you that reminds you of something that that uh, you know, stirs something up in your memory about what Jesus did at the cross and what it means for you, go ahead at that point and go ahead and receive the communion uh, table. Praise God, and uh, because we're going to stir up several things today. And, and maybe some things you knew, maybe some things you didn't know, maybe some things that you have forgotten. Praise God. But uh, Paul said, we preach Christ crucified, Christ on the cross. You see, because, um, you know, sometimes we think that, that the birth of Jesus was such a vital thing and such an important thing in Christmas is that great season when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And, and, and it is. It, you know, and I, I don't want to take away from that at all because had it not been for the birth, we would have never got to the cross. You know, and sometimes I, I, I have heard, you know, I'm 63 years old, so that means I've probably heard 62 Easter sermons. Okay, because, uh, you know, I can't, I can't imagine, in, and, and I certainly don't remember any time in the last 63 years that there's ever been a time that I was not in church on Easter Sunday. And, you know, I was probably there when I didn't even know, you know, what was going on. I was born in January, you know, so three months old. At, at the oldest, but uh, you know that first time I was in church on Easter Sunday. But so I probably heard sixty-two Easter sermons in my life, and you know, and, and many of those sermons did not focus on the resurrection, but they focused on the cross. They focused on the suffering that Jesus went through before the cross. Or, or, excuse me, before the resurrection, they, they focused on the suffering of the cross. And, you know, the cross is where payment was made. The resurrection is where payment made was proved. Jesus was proved to be the, the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. So he was, uh, you know, the, the cross is important. Christmas is important. Jesus had to be born in order to die. And so he died on the cross 
But the, the most powerful thing that we need to know is that at the cross, he took all of our sin, all of our sickness, all of our disease, all of our poverty, all of our maladies, everything that, that came into this world through Adam's fall, Jesus took it all upon himself. And I like to call Jesus, when he was nailed to the cross, a curse magnet. You know, and, and I, I have this visual image, and, you know, I've said this several times over the years, but uh, I, I say it again because, it, you know, it, it's such a vivid thing for me, and I want to plant this thought in your mind, and if you haven't got it yet, may, maybe today's the day you get it, okay? The Bible says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. God wrote that into the law uh, in the Old Testament, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He wrote that. Then the Apostle Paul quotes that in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 13. And so Jesus had to hang on a tree. Now, at the time of Jesus' death, Rome ruled the known world at that time. And Rome uh, executed people not by, uh, not by stoning them. The Jews stoned people. If you were convicted of a crime worthy of death, the Jews stoned you. And, and that was symbolic of the fact that, that you were convicted by what was written on tablets of stone. The law and, the, and the, the commandments were written on tablets of stone. And so the fact that they were written on the stone, then the, the stones convicted you. And then the stones executed the judgment that, that was due and you were stoned to death. But Jesus couldn't be stoned. Now, why couldn't Jesus be stoned? He couldn't be stoned because there was nothing on those tablets of the commandments. There was nothing there that could convict Jesus. Why? Because he had done no sin. He had broken none of the commandments. And so Jesus could not be convicted by the stones. Therefore, he could not be executed by the stones. And so Jesus needed to hang on a cross. He needed to. So the, the Bible says when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son into the world. What did it mean when the fullness of time had come? When everything was in the proper place, when everything that needed to be said about Jesus had been said, then God sent Jesus into the world. When he sent him into the world, he had to, the point was, he had to get him on a tree. He had to get him on a cross. And you see, in, in order for Jesus to redeem us from the curse, the curse had to come on him. So God had it written in the law that said the curse would come upon whoever hangs on a tree. Praise God. So the moment that Jesus was nailed to the cross, 
You know, I I picture this. How many's ever seen um, the the show used to be on television years ago uh, called Quantum Leap? Anybody ever saw Quantum Leap? And at the beginning of the show, you know, here you've got what's the guy's name? Scott Bakula or uh, yeah. Anyway, he's the star of the show, and he time travels and and. Uh, you know, he becomes another person in in time and all, all this kind of stuff. But at the beginning of the show, you know, these lightning bolts are just like, you know, and, and coming up. And this is what this is the visual that I have, and this is the visual I'd like for you to get because this is literally what happened the moment that Jesus was nailed to the cross. He didn't time travel, but the moment that, well, in a sense he did. I could go into that, but that would be another story altogether. We'd, uh, you know, we can do part two if we want. But, um, but anyway, Jesus is nailed to the cross, and when he is nailed to the cross, he becomes a, a lightning rod or a curse magnet. And so... Because he is nailed to the tree, and the Bible says cursed is the one who is hanged on a tree. At that moment, all of the curse just comes upon him. And I want you to get that visual in your mind so that the next time the devil tries to attack you, with sickness and disease, you can see that in your mind's eye, that curse, whatever it is he's attacking you with, that you can see it coming upon Jesus. Praise God. And you can visualize that, that, that he became a magnet. He became a lightning rod for the curse that is trying to attach itself to you. And you could say, no, Jesus was nailed to a tree and cursed is the one who is nailed to a tree. They haven't nailed me to a tree. Praise God. He was nailed to a tree. Praise God. So the curse came upon him. That's why Paul says we preach Christ crucified. Christ nailed to a tree. Christ nailed to a tree means more than just I get to go to heaven when I die. Christ nailed to a tree means that every curse, every sickness, every disease, every poverty, every malady, every weakness, all, every sin, all came upon Jesus. He became sin for me when he was nailed to the tree and everything that belonged to me, it came off of me onto him. Praise God. And if we can begin to visualize that and begin to see that, Paul says we preach Christ crucified. Christ crucified. But if I don't understand what the crucifixion meant, then we, you know, it's kind of one of those things that we preach Christ crucified. Okay, so, you know, let us never have that kind of an attitude. We preach Christ crucified because right there is where everything was dealt with. 
Right there is where Jesus paid the price. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 2. Paul says this, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. See, in other words, I don't need to know what you did last night. I don't need to know all of your struggles and all of your trials and all of your temptations and all of the things you've gone through. And I don't need to know that. Now, if it helps you, brother, i got ears, I'll listen. But, you know, the point is, I don't need to know that about you. I don't need to know where you failed. I don't need to know where you messed up. I need to know, do you believe that Jesus Christ was crucified for you? Praise God. Praise God. You see, I have determined, as Paul says, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. He was crucified for you. That's why I need to know that among you, because He was crucified for you. I need to know, do you believe that? Praise God. Because if you don't, let me tell you. Let's sit down. Let's talk. If you don't know Jesus Christ and Him crucified for you and what that means to you, let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk. I got a story to tell you. Praise God. Praise God. Now, once you get this, Colossians chapter 1, and, and what, what you got so far is the part that the Lord gave me right there during praise and worship. Okay, so that, that's the, that's, that's the uh, we haven't got to the real sermon yet. <clears throat> Here we go. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 20. It says, and by him to reconcile all things, by him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself. Now, here he's talking about God the Father. He says, by him, by Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, God the Father. Okay? By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And then notice this. Having made peace. What did the angels sing when they appeared to the shepherds on the hills outside of Bethlehem when Jesus was born? What was the heavenly host singing? They were singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men didn't say goodwill among men he said goodwill toward men goodwill from heaven toward men goodwill from God the Father toward men praise God 
That's what they sang that night. Praise God. He said he made peace. How did he make peace? He made peace through the blood of his cross. He made peace through the blood of his cross. You see, here's something we have to understand. Without shedding the blood, there's no remission. There's no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, no remission. I'm sorry we can't get away from it. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Now, under the old covenant, they came every year, actually a lot more often than that, but, but they had the annual sacrifice. They came with the blood of a substitute. They came and brought the blood of a bull or goat or, or lamb. They, they brought this blood, and by bringing the blood, and the priest would take it and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat of God in the Holy of Holies. And God saw the blood, and he knew when he saw the blood that a death had taken place. Now, here's the deal. The wages of sin is death. So those wages have to be paid. Those wages have to be paid. And so when they brought the blood of a sacrifice offering and they offered it on the mercy seat of God and God sees the blood, it is proof that a death has taken place. Wages of sin is death, so it proved that the wages had been paid. Praise God. Now, <clears throat> because the sacrifice was an imperfect sacrifice offered by an imperfect, an, an imperfect, get my grammar right, an imperfect priest on a on a replica of the Holy of Holies in heaven. You see, the, the Holy of Holies that was here on earth was created by men, and it was simply a replica or a picture or a model, we could say, of the Holy of Holies in heaven. And so on... Uh, the blood of an imperfect sacrifice offered by an imperfect priest on a replica of the mercy seat of God temporarily stayed the wrath of God, temporarily suspended the wrath of God against sin. But every year, the priest had to enter once again with the blood of yet another sacrifice, yet another 
sacrifice. Because the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. It could only temporarily cover it. It's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I find, I, I love to study on this subject because I, I, I see stuff all the time in this. And I see God, He's seated above the mercy seat. The mercy seat is on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant is the stone tablets that contained the the law of God contained the Ten Commandments, and it was by these tablets that when, when you look at the Ten Commandments, give me about five minutes and I can convict everybody in this room by the Ten Commandments. Okay? And so... Uh, you know, maybe you're thinking, I wonder if he knows about this. Well, you know, no, I don't, but it, it, it would take long. We'd convict everybody in here. But you see, when you looked at the Ten Commandments and you looked at that up next to the person, you could see clearly that the person did not measure up to all ten of the commandments. And so, therefore, they were declared guilty. But God had Moses put the Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant covered by the mercy seat. It's no accident that it's called a mercy seat. It's because that's where you find mercy. Praise God. And on the mercy seat, was sprinkled the blood of this sacrifice. And so when God, who is above the mercy seat, looks down upon the, looks down to where the Ten Commandments are, there's something that is a barrier in the way that he can't see through. He cannot see the Ten Commandments underneath that. He sees the blood on top. So God looking down sees the blood and the blood says whatever it is that whatever commandment it is that was broken, the wages is death, but here's blood proving that the death has occurred. Proving that the wages have been paid. Praise God. Now, think of this. We have not an imperfect high priest. We have the perfect high priest. Not one who serves temporarily because of, you know, someday he's going to die and, and you've got to replace him with another high priest. We have a high priest that serves after the order of Melchizedek and according to the order of Melchizedek without beginning and without end. Praise God. In other words, there is no end to life. So this high priest serves forever. 
He is eternally our high priest. Praise God. And this high priest, he is the perfect high priest because that temporary high priest, he had to offer sacrifices for his own sin before he could even go in there and offer the blood for yours. But this high priest had no sin of his own, so therefore he doesn't have to offer a sacrifice for his own sins because he didn't have any sins. This high priest didn't enter into the replica of the Holy of Holies. This high priest entered into the real Holy of Holies in heaven. This high priest didn't carry the blood of a bull or a ram or a, a, a goat. He didn't, but he carried his own blood and he offered it on the mercy seat of God in heaven once for all and another drop of blood is never needed because of the perfect blood that he offered on that altar. Praise God. Praise God. This is why we preach Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. Because it was at that crucifixion where everything was dealt with. It was when He was nailed to the cross that the entirety of the curse came upon Him. You see, before Adam's fall, there was no curse in the world. There, there was no curse. The curse came in because of sin. But Jesus dealt with the sin. Therefore, he reversed the curse. In Galatians chapter 3, verse number 13, the apostle Paul said it this way. He said, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing might come. See, he reversed it. What was the curse was reversed to blessing. The curse was sure to come, and it came upon him. And he absorbed all of it into himself. And then he disposed of it so the blessing could come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And today, you get to be a beneficiary by believing. He did the hard part. You get to believe. If you believe he did the hard part, if you believe that he dealt with the curse, that he paid in full that the blood that was offered on the mercy seat of God was not temporary but the blood that was offered there was the perfect sacrifice and never needs to be offered again and if you believe that praise God you're no longer under the curse but you're under blessing praise God Praise God. We preach Christ and Him crucified. Now get this. 
in, in Strong's Concordance, there's a Greek word. I'm going to try to say this. It's something like this, okay? Some, somewhere close to this. Anyway. Um, no, I'm not going to try to say it. You don't really need to know how to say it. All you really need to know is what it means. Praise God. Here's what it means. This word for reconcile. Now, here's what the verse says. Let's read the verse again. And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Now, get this. He's reconciled. All, God the Father has reconciled all things to himself through Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. The word reconcile from the Greek is that word I'm not going to pronounce. It means this. To bring back to a former state of harmony, to bring back to a former state of harmony. Now, if you think back before sin entered the world, before the curse entered the world, what was life like? Adam and Eve would walk and talk with God in the cool of the day. And everything changed the day that they ate of the fruit of the tree that they were commanded not to eat of. And so much so that when God came to walk and talk with them in the cool of the day, they were hiding. Why would you hide? Because they knew they had broke the only commandment. They, they didn't even have ten. They had one and they broke it. Don't eat from that tree. Okay. Oh, man, that tree really looks good. So they ate from the one tree. And they hid from God. But prior to that time, there was a state of harmony between Adam and Eve and God, that he would come and walk and talk with them in the cool of the day, and now that fellowship has been broken, and so now he, God the Father, he so wanted fellowship with us that he sent his son Jesus 
to eliminate the thing that was the problem. And so he dealt with it. And he reconciled us. He brought us back into that state of harmony by the blood of the cross. Praise God. That's what it means to you. Praise God. That's what it means. Praise God. Now, here's the thing. Let me read this verse again. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 20. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and you, notice this, verse 21, and you who once were alienated and enemies, next three words, in your mind. You were enemies in your mind. Do you get this? Where was, where was the, the conflict? The conflict was not on God's side. The conflict was on our side. The conflict was in our mind. Who hid? Did God come to walk and talk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day after the fall? Yes. Did Adam and Eve run to meet him? No. They went and hid from him. Why? Because the conflict was in their mind. They knew they did what God said don't do. So in their mind, they are sure he is so angry with them and that they run and they hide from him. The conflict is in their mind. Most of the world out there today, God has sent his son Jesus to resolve the conflict, but most of the world still has it in their mind that they are in conflict with God. This is why we have to preach the gospel. This is why we have to tell them God is not angry with you. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. Does that sound like a God that's angry? Send his own son to die for them? Is that a God that's angry? But most of the world thinks God hates me. See, here's the thing. God hates sin. The Bible clearly says that. God hates sin. But why does he hate sin? He hates sin because sin hurts you. He doesn't hate you. But most of the world, see, we insist on telling people you know, God loves sinners, but he hates sin. Most of the world hears this. God hates me because I sin. I mean, you know that sometimes what is said and what is heard 
are two different things. We, we, say, we think we have to put in the part about God hating sin. We think we've got to put that in there. Well, God loves sinners, but he hates sin. Oh, so God hates me because I sin. In the mind. We were at conflict with God in our minds. And why was there a conflict in our mind? Let's find out. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 9. And that is, okay, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Uh, verse 24, For Christ was, has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us that we should offer uh, that he should offer himself often as the high priest enter into the ho most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sins by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once but after this, the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear the second time apart from sin to salvation. Let's jump down to, uh, uh, I, I did not get the verse I wanted there. Okay. Um, here we go. This is what I wanted. That was good anyway. All right. It wasn't what I wanted, but it was good. Okay, here, how about Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. The word enmity is the thing that causes the conflict. Okay, so when you see that word enmity, he's talking about the thing that caused the conflict. And he says, he abolished in his flesh the thing that caused the conflict. And then it says, that is, so he's now going to tell us what the enmity is. He's going to tell us what the thing that caused the conflict is. The law of commandments 
contained in ordinances. What was it that caused man to have a conflict with God in his mind? Because he knew he broke the commandment. So it was the commandment that caused the conflict in our minds. Why do people think God hates them? Because they have broken the commandments. So they have a conflict with God in their mind. Now, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We have been given the word that says God was in Christ restoring a previous state of harmony. Praise God. How did he restore the previous state of harmony? He restored it by paying the debt that was owed at the cross. And so when we preach the ministry, the word of reconciliation, we say God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not counting up all those trespass, all those things that are in your mind that make you think that God hates you, all of those things, God has dealt with all of those things, and the conflict is only in your mind right now, so you need to resolve that, and if you'll resolve that issue that is in your mind, God will come and walk and talk with you in the cool of the day. Praise God. Praise God. And that's all I got time for this morning. Praise God. But I'm telling you, this, this stuff, I start to meditate and begin to just absorb what God has done. What's the cross all about? If you haven't partaken of the communion yet, praise God, let's take the bread this morning. Jesus' broken body, he bore your sickness and your disease. His body was broken so yours could be whole. Praise God. Let's partake of the bread in remembrance of what he did. By his blood, he has resolved the conflict. Praise God. By his blood, no more, no more conflict been taken out of the way. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Praise God. Praise God. Aren't you glad that God wasn't willing to just let what happened stand as it was? Praise God. You're listening to me today, whether you're listening online or whether you're in the room. You've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. If you've never believed all the stuff I just preached to you this morning, that God's not angry with you. He took care of the thing, and the conflict is in your mind. And if you will believe what he did, the conflict is resolved. 
Praise God. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. See, the resurrection was the victory. It was the final victory over it all. Praise God. You believe that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. I want to ask everyone that is hearing my voice today to just repeat this after me. And if you pray this and you mean it, praise God. You pray this for the first time and you mean what you're saying. According to God's word, you will be saved. Praise God. That means you pass from death to life. That means you come back into a state of harmony with God. Praise God. Say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for reconciling me back to God by your blood. I believe that God raised you from the dead so that I could have restored fellowship, new life. I choose to put my trust for my salvation in what you have done. Thank you, Jesus. I invite you to save me personally right now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love with you.